Hey everyone, I'm Erica. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Story Crime. Woo! So we are recording in person today for the second time. This time it's at my place. Yeah. So we have spent a lovely merch break together getting up to shenanigans and we're so excited to just be here and doing it together. It's so fun. So yeah, it's definitely a lot different than looking at you through the screen. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't know if you remember, but last night we created like a really awesome handshake (laughs) for our podcast. (laughs) So please find us on TikTok at Story Crime Pod to uh, see that upcoming video. I wonder how cool it actually is when we're sober. Yeah, I uh, I really hope it becomes a trending dance on TikTok and people try to recreate it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyways, it was a lot of fun, and yes, there was some alcohol involved. Not too much though. No, we're good. We're good girls. Yeah, we are. Although I was rendered basically non-human this morning. So You're getting old, Erica. It's catching up to you. Amateur stuff. <laughs> Anyways. So tonight we're gonna be talking about a crazy case that I found, and it involves like death metal and Satanism Ooh. and ritual sacrifice, just everything. Teenage angst. Ooh. Lots of good not good stuff. It's actually a very horrible story, but... Oh. Well, you've gotten me excited. Yeah. And this actually, um, this following case actually inspired a pretty well-known movie that I'm sure you haven't seen, because I haven't seen it, so... <laughs> but people will know what it is when we get there. Okay. Um, so we are talking about the brutal murder of Elise Paler mm-hmm. um, in 1995. Now, this case does involve um, ritual sacrifice and rape and necrophilia oh that's not something you hear all the time no so it goes without saying that um if necrophilia isn't your jam maybe this isn't the episode for you mm-hmm. i don't think it's anyone's jam no. but, but <laughs> no. just in case it makes you feel some sort of way please join us next time um so yeah so let's jump right into the story so elise paler was 15 years old when she went missing from her arroyo grande home where she lived with her parents and three siblings she was the oldest of of four so Mm -hmm. um she was an average teenager in the 90s so she really loved the singer back and she loved tom cruise and her and her friends would go and see interview with the vampire like a thousand times in theaters good movie great movie um, she enjoyed having slumber parties with her two best friends and just hanging around them. And they were described by everyone who knew them as really good girls, um, and just like to just have a good time and go out and spend time together. So, um, Elise's parents, David and Lisanne, um, have said that Elise was very, she was a very high achieving student and she was actively involved in her church as well. So she sounds like an all around pretty, pretty good kid, pretty normal kid. Yeah. So, but Elise, she was a very adventurous and curious young lady. (laughs) Young lady. (laughs) And she wanted to experience everything she could. And so, like a lot of normal teenagers, uh, when she started high school, she started like dabbling and partying and experimenting with drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. Now, she wasn't like 
I'm 15, so I'm going to do heroin immediately. (laughs) She was smoking weed and drinking, basically, was her drugs of choice. But typical teenager stuff. Yeah. But she was open to new experiences. So, and that's just who she was. She just wanted, she wanted to be the good kid who did, who was played soccer and went to church, but she also wanted to experience that other side of life, which I think is totally normal and totally, Mm -hmm. absolutely okay. Mm -hmm. As long as you're responsible. Absolutely. So, Elisa's parents, they actually weren't really aware of Elisa's, like, Elisa's drug experimentation, but they did know that she had started hanging around a bit of a, like, more rough crowd, I guess, uh, or less desirable crowd that her parents would want her to. Mm-hmm. And she had been caught sneaking out of her house to party on a bunch of different occasions. Um, they always talk about, in all my sources, these beautiful French doors she had in her bedroom, and... They sound pretty awesome and something like my parents would never have allowed me to have in my (laughs) room because it gave her full access to the outside. So she had like a different entrance to in and out of the house. Ah. Um, So she could sneak out whenever she wanted to. Mm -hmm. And even with the experimentation with drugs and sneaking out, I personally would still call her an average teenager, Mm -hmm. um, but she was pushing the limit. It wasn't until Elise was caught drinking and smoking pot at school that her parents really started to take the issue seriously with her. And to nip things in the bud, Elise's parents sent her to a substance abuse counseling program. Mm. Yeah, so Elise thought this was a bit of an overreaction to normal teenage behavior in her mind, but she did attend the program and did the work that was asked of her. That's good. Yeah. And it's nice that her parents caught that and yeah. were paying attention. They're trying to deal with it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Elise did kind of slow down with some of her adventurous ways, but she continued to sneak out of the house and go to party. And a lot of times there were older boys that were more than happy to supply her with all the weed and alcohol mm. that she wanted. And she was okay with that. Of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, again, like, we don't condone, like, teenagers drinking underage and all of that stuff, but it, this is something that a lot of kids go through when they're teenagers, so I don't find anything wrong with what she's doing. We understand it. Yes. While in the substance abuse program, Elise became kind of acquaintances with this kid named Jacob, uh, Delashmut, I think is how you say his name. I've heard lots of different pronunciations, so I'm just gonna go with what I feel comfortable with, and he's kind of a... (laughs) big douchebag so we don't really care they didn't hang around each other very much at school or anything but they were friendly enough that elise would feel comfortable going out to smoke like an odd joint with him and, and his friends on occasion mm-hmm. uh so jacob was a bit of a loner at the school and he mostly hung around just three other boys and they all had a death metal band called hatred <laughs> what it was called <laughs> hatred and that's how hatred. they sang Is that- oh <laughs> They were heavily inspired by other death metal bands at the time. Their favorite being Slayer, which I researched Slayer a lot for this podcast and learned a lot of things about them. They've been around for a long, long time. A long time. time. Yeah. They've actually won two Grammys. Like, I've never personally listened to them, and it's not really my style of music to listen to, but they've accomplished a lot. So, kind of neat. Learn something new every day. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the other boys in the group, their names were Joseph Fiorella, and he was 14, Travis Williams, he was 16, and Royce Casey was 17 at the time of this case. The three boys attended the same school as Elise, while Royce Casey went to a different school. So Travis Williams, Joseph Fiorella, and Jacob all went to Elise's school. Okay. Royce went to a different school somewhere okay. else. Uh, when the boys when the boys weren't busy making the most hardcore metal music of all time, <laughs> they could be found engaging in regular drug activity. Oh. 
Their drugs of choice included weed and alcohol, the same as Elise. Mm-hmm. But they also enjoyed sniffing glue. <laughs> These were hardcore kids. Yeah. <laughs> Snorting speed. Oh. And they were even smoking meth at this time, which... Oh, so they are kind of hardcore. <laughs> yeah, they are pretty hardcore. And I think that this is... The youngest in this group is 14. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even know what meth was when I was 14. I don't know if I've just been sheltered or, or what, but here we are. <laughs> wow. Uh, they were also particularly interested in the religion of Satanism and had started dabbling in the occult. Oh. Yeah. They really found that this religion aligned with their musical tastes, which if you look, look up Slayer lyrics, which I have, they're not wrong. Okay. And decided it was just a logical decision to go ahead and join the Church of Satan. I mean, logic, for logic sure. for following a path here. And at one point, one of the boys sent away for cards that they could keep in their wallet. So they each paid $100 for a membership card to the Church of Satan. <laughs> Just like a, here's, here's my, my Target card, here's my <laughs> Satanism card. Here's yeah. my, not a problem. Now, just to clarify, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a practicing Satanist. Absolutely nothing. I don't think somebody who practiced Satanism is any more likely to commit a violent crime as somebody who is a Christian or somebody who's or Jewish. Any other religion. Yeah. Or any religion that you might practice. I think there are murderers in every religion. <laughs> right. Yes. It has nothing to do with that. Um, but I did want to give like just a brief description of what Satanism is and how it's kind of defined. Okay. Uh, so Satanism movements, including the U.S.-based Church of Satan, which was founded in 1990, or 1966, sorry, they celebrate Satan not as a god, but as a symbol of supposedly anti-Christian moral values or as pre-Christian life principle. Hmm. They do not promote a practice or they do not promote or practice evil in any literal sense, but may profess extreme forms of individualism and ethical egoism and may reject traditional Abrahamic religions, particularly Christianity, as hypocritical and repressive. So... I'm not entirely sure what any of that means, but... (laughs) Basically, what those movements are, or what they practice in, like, a Satanist religion, is just, like, an opposition to what they see, like, the Christian face. Right. So they're just doing the opposite of Yeah, and it's more of being more true to what they... It's hard to explain. I think, like, I can see what this is in my brain but saying it out but it, they definitely don't do like child sacrifice or seances do seances they yeah like it's not that kind of stuff like the guys in the black robes walking around with torches and right yeah right. killing goats and drinking the blood it's none of that okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> glad you clarified that yeah. so just so everyone knows the people we're talking about in this podcast are evil people that just happen to practice the religion of Satanism right. and bastardize it to justify what they're doing. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, as I said before, the boys really only hung around each other, and other kids weren't really interested in hanging around them anyways because they were re- known to be troublemakers, and usually if you did hang around them for any period of time, you'd find yourself in sticky situations where now you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. So, they people, a lot of people just kept their distance. And it was said that the boys would quote Slayer lyrics and use terms from their songs in their everyday conversations, like, for example, calling a pretty girl Satan Witch. <laughs> I mean, they sound pretty cool. <laughs> they, like, if they weren't actual fucking trolls, I probably would have been friends with them. <laughs> yeah, you probably would have. Yeah. 
It was almost, uh, people would say that because they used the Slayer lyrics so often in conversation, it was almost like they were speaking their own secret language of just (laughs) random Slayer lyrics. For the record, I was being sarcastic. (laughs) They do not sound cool. (laughs) Yeah, I know you. So I put in here reference Rob and Tom, and that's because Rob and his his best friend, they speak almost exclusively in Simpsons quotes. And, and when I was reading that, it really reminded me of that. And not just Simpsons quotes, but other, like, movie quotes. And sometimes I'll be sitting with the two of them, and I'm like, what are they even talking about? Like, have they said a real, live sentence in the last hour? It's all been Simpsons quotes. So weird, but they love it. Okay, to each their own. Yep. Uh, so the boys would often stay up all night long doing drugs in Joe Fiorella's garage, so he's the 14-year-old. Mm-hmm. And they would listen to Slayer, of course. And talk about devil worship. And so, needless to say, themes of Satan and the devil were heavily present in their musical works as well. So any of the songs that Hatred did, (laughs) it was all about that. Right. Now, of course, this is all fine on its own. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with what they're doing. And talking and singing about Satanism or devil worship, it's not a crime. Nor do I believe that it leads to crime. Mm -hmm. Except in this particular instance where things are a little bit different for these boys Uh-oh. they really take it to the next extreme Uh-oh. so the the kids uh the boys here started to truly believe that their devotion to satan would ultimately bring them fame and fortune and they started to talk a lot about virgin sacrifice and and that kind of stuff on a regular basis oh no they even believed that they must have been that this must have been how slayer got famous oh so, spoiler um, alert, I don't know Slayer, personally, not like they're friends, but I can probably 100% assure you that they became famous because they practiced and worked very hard. Yeah. <laughs> and, and built their brand. It is not what they're about. <laughs> they did not sacrifice a virgin. I'm, I'm almost 100% confident there is some wiggle room. I don't know them, but <laughs> you guys can decide. <laughs> so, even though Joe Fiorella was the youngest of the group... He was described as being their leader in a lot of ways. And it was him that really got the other boys interested in the practice of Satanism. And he apparently had quite the collection of books and memorabilia on the subject. Like his whole room was just full of it, painted Mm -hmm. black and had that whole aesthetic going. Mm -hmm. So he, his whole room was just filled with the works of like Aleister Crowley and Anton LaVey, who I'm sure you don't know who they are, but yeah, they're pretty well known Satanist, oh, I guess. From. Okay. And I think Anton LaVey actually started the Church of Satan in 1966. Like, I think that was his um, church, hmm. his thing that he started. So uh, so they had posters featuring Slayer lyrics that just painted his walls, of course. They, he's, they're just so into Slayer. It's, yeah. I guess once uh, Joe even got the boys together to perform a ritual... This is really gross and weird, but they, <laughs> okay. it's not like, oh, get out of here kind of gross, but it's really weird, and especially to me. I So they, he, they got together to perform a ritual, which involved crucifying a frog, oh. like Jesus, and then cooking and eating it. No. And they thought this would bring them great spiritual power and repeated this ritual several times. Well, I mean, at least they didn't waste the frog body. Like, people do eat frog legs and stuff, so they didn't waste it. Yeah, I guess. I hear it tastes like chicken. I do not like frogs, alive or dead. I know. You especially. (laughs) That is why this is especially horrifying to me. (laughs) 
I can't. I forgot that was one of your phobias. Oh, I'm like, remember Maury Povich, that woman that was afraid of cats? Yeah. That is and then li- they're like, here's a cat! That's literally <laughs> what I'm like with frogs. I can't. I am that lady. I can't. Oh, gross. <laughs> the boys would start going online to into chat rooms and stuff. So this is in 95. So chat rooms or, and message boards were like yeah. still a really big thing. Yeah. And they would post, uh, like, short stories of their own human sacrifices and rituals that they claimed to have performed, which is all, of course, bullshit, Mm -hmm. because they never performed one. Mm -hmm. But the boys started slipping further and further away from reality and were beginning to believe all of their own lies that revolved around these, like, bizarre fantasies of virgin sacrifice and and ritual murder. Sounds quite like a dangerous path to be going down. Yeah. Like, they really were into doing this. So... Yeah. Also at this time, their desire to actually sacrifice a virgin in the name of Lucifer grew, and they actually began to plan the plot, plan and plot the kidnapping of a blue-eyed, blonde-haired girl. Oh, no. So the boys, they would hang out at this place called the Pipe of Death, which was like this big pipe somewhere in the city, and they would go and just like hang out there. But it was actually named because another kid that had hung out there had actually fallen off the top of the pipe and died. So that's kind of sad. Oh. But they would hang out there a lot. And um, this is where they would go and they would smoke weed and they would spend their time just planning this ritual sacrifice that they thought would just secure them the ticket to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would snort amphetamines. Start, they started snorting amphetamines at this point. And I don't know where they're getting all this these drugs. Well, and also where are their parents, please? Yeah. Teenagers have a way of finding all kinds of drugs. Yeah, that's true, I guess. It's just not my world. (laughs) So anyway, so they would meet up at the Pipe of Death and snort amphetamines and smoke weed and plan their sacrifice to the Lucifer. And it would fall on Jacob Delashmut. Delashmut? I still don't know how to say that name. Anyways. It would fall on Jacob Delashmut, who was known as the most social kid in the whole group. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, to start scouting and find them the perfect virgin whose oh. sacrifice would earn their boys their much-desired ticket to hell. Oh, no. So, as I said, Jacob and Elise had met earlier that year when they were both uh, going through the drug counseling program that their parents had signed them up for. Um, and he knew just by the look of her that she would be the perfect sacrifice. With that blonde hair and blue eyes, he couldn't have asked for a better victim. Oh. So the other boys agreed with this, and they began a plot to lure Elise to her death. Um, Joseph very specifically became obsessed with Elise and the idea of killing her. And like I said, like Elise had such an adventurous side. So when Jacob started asking her to hang out and smoke weed and try their drugs like LSD, she would go with them down to the pipe of death and kind of hang around him at other parties. Mm-hmm. It didn't bother Elise that her friends didn't feel comfortable with the boys, who everyone knew as troublemakers at this point. And Elise actually preferred to hang around these kind of kids, sort of like the underdogs of the school, because she didn't really buy into like that whole clique mentality. Mm-hmm. She uh, just thought, as long as you're nice to me and you're a good person, then we can be friends. I'll give you a shot. Yeah. Right? Yeah, sure. So a very trusting girl. So to Elise, Jacob and the other members of Hatred were, sorry, Hatred. <laughs> were a little weird but again not a crime and they treated her with respect so why not uh give them a chance right Mm -hmm. she started talking in and hanging around the boys more often and one day asked her if she wanted to go for a walk which she said yes so she was going to meet them just to go for a walk down by the mesa in 
the little town they lived in. Okay. So she said yes, and she met up with the boys. Um, and while they were on the walk, one of the boys, I, I read like a couple different accounts of what happened here, but one of them in one of the accounts that said they pushed Elise down, Elise down a steep ravine along the mesa. Um, in another one, it said that one of the other boys pretended to fall and they said, oh, can you go down and help him? Which she did. So I'm not really sure which one of those mm. is true. There's mm-hmm. been mixed, mixed accounts of that. But either way, Travis Williams was down at the bottom. And when he got down there with Elise, Joe Fiorella actually threw him this knife that they had bought earlier from this website called Maledicta. It's like a ritual knife and started yelling, do it, do it. While Travis stood there with like a blank look on his face, apparently chickening out with whatever plan they had. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? No, it wasn't me that's supposed to do it. (laughs) Yeah. So that is what happened there. And then I read in another case that Elisa's mom showed up at some point, like was walking by because they were close to the house and the boys Mm. sort of all scattered. Um, When she was questioned about the incident that had happened that day by her parents later on, she told them that she thought the whole thing was a little weird, but so were these kids and whatever. She just kind of brushed it off as a strange prank they were playing on her like not serious yeah so she was a trusting girl and she never thought that anyone even these strange new friends would ever want to harm her Mm -hmm. so on july 21st 1995 elise would meet up with jacob again during a party at a mutual friend's house they exchanged phone numbers and jacob offered to get elise drugs whenever she wanted and she was happy to accept his offer jacob called elise the next evening and while she was home watching movies with her parents he asked her if she wanted to go home party and told her he'd gotten his hands on some pretty good weed and some lsd so elise told him to wait and she would sneak out of her room later that night and meet up with him mm. the last thing she said to her parents that night was i love you i'm going to bed oh it sucks that like she didn't just think hey these guys are really weird maybe i shouldn't hang out with them yeah, and I, but I think it just goes to, like, it just speaks to Elise's, like, just trusting nature and just kind I guess. spirit. And... Plus, she has a new drug dealer out of it. So. Yeah, exactly. It's also quite appealing yeah. to her, I suppose. So, she headed to bed that night saying, I love you, I'm going to bed. Mm. Her parents said, I love you back. And those would be the last words that they would ever hear oh, their daughter say. That's sad. Yeah. So when Elise got into her bedroom that night, she ended up stuffing pillows under, like, the blankets on her bed. Mm-hmm. Classic. Classic. And she headed out those French doors into the night to meet Jacob, Royce, and Joe. So Travis isn't around at this point because Travis shot an elderly woman and was in jail. What? Wait, what? Yeah. You can't just throw that in there. There's Is she not, okay? I think so, but there's not really that much information on that. All I know is that it happened. Just, so. just a side note, he's in jail. Yeah, so it's not that he had a change of heart or thought, maybe this is a bad plan to sacrifice a virgin. No. He just one-upped and shot an elderly woman. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so he's in jail. So he's not there for this part. Okay. So she stuffed the pillows under her blankets and headed for the French doors and met up with Jacob, Royce, and Joe. Uh, the next morning, her parents went into Elise's room to wake her up, only to find out that once again, their daughter had snuck out of the house and they were freaking pissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had... They thought, what, you know, yep. what is this kid up to? But as the hours went on, all of their anger turned to worry and their daughter never returned home. Mm. So they knew their daughter had hit a rebellious streak and that sneaking out of the house was nothing new for her. But she had always come back the next day right. or at least at some point during the night. She never right. stayed out. 
Um, it wasn't like her to go missing like this and, and not even call them. And uh, the Palers decided that it was time to call the police. Uh-oh. Um, now, because of Elise's recent shift in behavior, the police initially looked at this case as a runaway teen, mm-hmm. which is... Classic again. Classic again. Um, yeah, so they looked at her as a runaway teen, frustrated with following the rules, or a girl who has just run off with her new boyfriend or some mm-hmm. shit like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, bullshit. Just fucking investigate it. Yeah. Ooh, it's your job. Um, but police's parents were insistent that their daughter would never run away, and she had no reason to anyways, right? Yeah. Um, and they pushed the police to start a search for their daughter. Oh, good. Now, when the news of a 15-year-old girl from California broke tips started coming in immediately which is good i'm glad people are keeping their eyes open and Mm -hmm. trying to help uh so many people had called into police saying that they had seen elise in uh south san luis obispo and this gave the parents of elise hope that maybe there she you know maybe elise did run away and she'd be coming home right and that she was safe and and would be home soon Mm mm-hmm there was even a tip at one point, actually, that Elise had run away with a traveling carnival, which I'm like, is this 1935? <laughs> what? How many traveling I, carnivals just stroll through? Yeah, I don't understand. But that was a tip that proved to be entirely bogus. <laughs> um, so Elise's grandmother, she took to the press to try and get a message out to Elise in the case that she had just run away. Mm-hmm. And she basically was begging Elise to come home or call and said that they would figure everything out and they could even stay, like, she could stay with her grandma until, you know, Mm. things started to calm down or or whatever and stress she wasn't in trouble, just come home. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there was still no sign of Elise. And I really feel for this grandma because it sounds like her and Elise were really, really close. Like, Mm -hmm. just, it's like me and my Nana, right? right? Just that kind of relationship. So I feel so badly for this poor I feel badly for everyone, but... But Nana especially. But, but Nana's especially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until eight months later that the police would finally get a major break in this case. So it took eight months before any sign of a, of Elise or where her whereabouts Gosh, was. Those parents must have just been going crazy. Yeah. Well, and I also read that, like, they would have, like, family dinners and on holidays and stuff, always set the place for her and just mm. wait for that phone call to, to come in, right? Oh, my heart. Yeah. So eight months later, an 18-year-old boy walked into the Arroyo Grande Police Department and informed officers that he knew exactly what happened, and he would tell them everything. All of a sudden, just eight months later, eight he's months like, later, hey, change yeah, of heart. Yeah, he knew exactly what happened. He would tell them everything, and he would tell them even where they could find Elisa's body. Wow. So this boy was one of the members of the band, Hatred, <laughs> Royce Casey. So this was the oldest boy, Uh-oh. Royce. Yeah. It would turn out that Royce had had a sudden change of heart regarding his religious beliefs and had recently converted to Christianity. It's weird because I was just going to say, did he have a come to Jesus moment? Yeah. And he he did. He did. Very literally did. So he had started at that point to kind of distance himself from uh, Joseph Fiorella and Jacob Delashma. Mm-hmm. And he would go on to tell police that, uh, that night Sorry, and what he would go on to tell police that night would horrify everyone who heard his twisted tale of murder, virgin sacrifice, and necrophilia. Oh, gross. So here we go. Okay. Into the murder part. So if you guys want to tune out, 
This would be your time to yeah, do it. We're ready. Let's do it. So Royce explained to the officers that on the night of July 22nd, 1995, the three boys had concocted a plan to lure Elise out of her home under the roof of smoking weed at a local eucalyptus grove that was really close. It was just a few blocks from her home. Mm-hmm. Um, so he told them that they had decided that Elise would be the perfect virgin sacrifice And once she was high and her guard was down, they would kill her by a tree that they had declared an altar for their sacrifice to Lucifer. I don't really know how that works. If you can just be like, now, tree, you are the altar. (laughs) So, Like, what what does that even... I'm not really sure. I'm I'm not well versed on ritual sacrifice. But how did they even... Okay. Maybe it'll answer. Continue. (laughs) No. So they just, like, said, like, I deem you tree, the altar, that we're going to do this. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's all I know. I don't think they even know what they're doing, to be right. honest, because yeah. they're idiots. When they knew that Elise was feeling the effects from the drugs, one of the boys grabbed her by her hair, pulled her to her feet, and then threw her back down on the ground. Jeez. Yeah. And then she's only on weed? Like the, she's the effects on LSD. Of the, oh, LSD. right, right, right. So Jacob then, Jacob Delashman, took his belt off, and he used his belt to strangle her, which rendered her unconscious. Mm. Um, she did end up coming to after uh, this, but was stabbed, was being, at that point, being stabbed by Joseph, oh. while Royce held her down on the ground. Um, all three boys continued to stab Elise multiple times using that knife that they had ordered from the message board maledicta yeah, that I told the, you about the before. knife? Yeah. While they stabbed Elise, she called out to her mother and was praying to God the whole time. Oh, no. Mm. Uh, to stop her screams... One of the boys stomped on her neck. Oh, God. Yeah, it's fucking awful. When they were done stabbing Elise, the boys each took turns raping her as she laid dying in front of them. That's disgusting. When they were done carrying out their vicious attack, they covered her body with some thicket and left her in the eucalyptus grove. Ugh. Poor, poor Poor Elise. Elise. Now it does get worse. Oh, shit. Over that eight months, remember I told you it would take eight months for Mm -hmm. Royce to come in and have his come to Jesus moment? Do not tell me they revisited that body. They would go back to that body several times. No. And they would rape her corpse over and over again. No, because it would be rotted. And And the only thing when I was reading this, I kept thinking this awful and poor Elise, but thank God Elise is not there. That is not Elise anymore, you know? Yeah, 100%. And it's like, that's... No. Mm-mm. No, ma'am. No. When asked why they did this, Royce's answer was simple. They all believed that by sacrificing Elise to the devil, they would be able to make their band better and earn a ticket to hell. But, like, hold the phone, because if they're raping her, she's no, like, she wouldn't be the virgin sacrifice anymore. We'll get to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Royce gave police the names of his two accomplices and led them to exactly where Elise's body was hidden. Mm. When Royce asked, when Royce was asked why he was coming forward with this information, he told officers that he had felt a profound sense of guilt over what he had done to Elise, and he thought that the other boys were going to kill again, and he didn't want to see that happen. Oh, gosh. Okay. I mean, good, but a little too late. Yes. And the other thing, too, is that he thought that their next victim was going to be him. Oh. So this had really nothing to do with Elise. Right. And he's like, he's, I need to save my own ass. Yeah. He didn't want to be murdered. So mm. after Royce's confession, all three boys were arrested and held in custody while the investigation ensued. 
All of the uh, all of the boys did admit to their crimes immediately and expressed little to no remorse for what they had done. Mm. In fact, witnesses would later state that the boys, mainly Jacob and Joe, would brag about what they had done, even telling classmates about going back to rape Elisa's oh my God. decomposing body. Oh. Bragging about it. And at first I was like, why didn't anyone say anything? Yeah. Like, why aren't you, like, telling, like, go and tattletale. This is a time that you tattletale. Oh. Yeah. You know, yeah. And look like a rat when you... But who's going to believe it? That, exactly. That's what I thought after is like, it's such an outlandish tale that people like... Like, yeah, it, sure you did, but... Yeah. Right? And like, why would... In my mind, I'd be like, why would they even admit to raping a yeah. dead body? Like, they, they're just gross and stupid. Yeah. So, I kind of get why nobody turned them in. Yeah. Um, so Elisa's body was found exactly where Royce had directed investigators, uh, but at this point there was only skeleton skeletal remains left. Mm, yeah. So her autopsy showed 12 separate stab wounds, but it was determined that these wounds were not fatal and Elise likely died of blood loss, probably during oh, the rape. the rapes. No. Yeah. Poor Elise. I'm so sorry that happened to you. So, during interrogations, Joseph Fiorella would freely admit that he was the one who was most eager to do the ritual, but even though he was considered the leader of the group, all of the boys were equally involved in the planning and ex- execution of this crime, mm-hmm. right? So, even though Royce now seemed to have remorse for the crime, it's important to note that he is a big of monster as the yeah. other boys that yeah. are involved. Sorry, but um, can't be saved now. So, I actually found this, like, Royce... This is like an excerpt from Royce's journal about a few months after they committed the murder. And it says, I'm fighting on the other side now, allied with the darkened souls, Satan's raised and shall conquer and reign. In the Bible, it says that in the end, Lucifer will bring out his best in everything, music, love, and murder. All the psycho serial killers and rapists don't know if they would just build an altar of sacrifice and kill the person on the altar and then have repeated sex with the corpse. Virgin meat is the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. So I think he's trying to say, like, all these psycho killers and rapists, they just didn't know that this is what they had to do. And yeah. then, like, fucking hell. Like, they would have been not in jail. They'd be ruling the place. That's what it sounds like to me, is what he's saying. He sounds disgusting. I hate him. Yeah. So at trial, all three boys pleaded no contest to their crimes and were sentenced to serve uh, 25 years to life in prison for Elise's murder. Good. But the story doesn't end here, you see. Because still seeking justice for their daughter, David and Leah Sam Paler went to court once again, this time filing a lawsuit against the band Slayer, stating that their music had caused the three boys to kill their daughter. Whoa. Now, I just want to read you a lyric from a song actually called Necrophiliac. Oh. Just a small clip here. I feel the urge, the growing need to fuck this sinful corpse. No. My task complete, the bitch's soul lies raped in demonic lust. I do not enjoy that. I don't enjoy it either. However, it is not a gateway to no. No. sacrificing virgins and raping them. So this is what Elisa, and I get Elisa's parents wanting to, to get justice mm-hmm. and have somebody accountable because really in their minds, it's their daughter's lost their life, but so has these other teenage boys mm-hmm. who they think have been sucked in by they the They were music. so impressionable yes. by this band. Yes. That- yeah. So they stated that they thought the music laid out instructions on how to stalk, rape, murder, and commit commit acts of necrophilia. Ugh. Now, 
of course. I'm sure you won't be surprised to hear that this case was thrown out of court. Okay, good. Because of the First Amendment in yeah. the U.S. Yeah. Um, but later, David and Lisan would once again file a lawsuit, this time against not just Slayer, but the record and production companies as well, stating that they knowingly marketed and sold harmful material to minors. Well, I'm sure there's the, like, the cassette tape said 18A or something. But that changed, though. That was later that that oh, changed. Oh, was it? Yeah, hmm. with the explicit content thing on yeah. it. I think that came about later. I don't think in 1995 they had those hmm. on albums. I could be wrong about that, but... I think that came out later. Right. And, like, I just want to say again, like, going back to, like, the music made me do it. Like, I know that when I was in high school, like, my go-to when I was mad was the Marshall Mathers LP. Mm. And I know that's a very controversial album from back in the day. But not once did I ever say Eminem made me do it. Eminem. (laughs) You know, like, Eminem's right. I should go out and do this. Right. Never once did would that have crossed my mind. It was just a good outlet for me to listen. Great album. Great album. And I could listen, I could get some of that anger, like just get it out of my system mm-hmm. and then move on. Um, so I really don't, like my opinion is, is that the music can't make you do it. You already have to have something not working upstairs mm-hmm. for music to have that kind of impact on you. Absolutely. But I'm just a guy. I'm not a psychiatrist, so I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, so they sued them for um, for marketing it towards minors. Mm-hmm. Um, and lawyers for the Palers were quoted as saying, the distribution and marketing of obscene and harmful material to adolescent males constituted aiding and abetting of the criminal's acts described in the complaint. So Ugh. now the record companies are accomplices to this murder right. in his, in lawyer speak. He also said that none of the vicious crimes committed against Elise Marie Paler would have occurred without the intentional marketing strategy of the death metal band Slayer. Of course not. You know, because these boys have no accountability. <laughs> no. So the boys in this case, so Jacob and Joe and Royce, they've all, mm-hmm. all gone back and forth between whether or not the music made them do it. And in one interview, Jacob Delashma was quoted as saying, the music is destructive, but that's not why Elise was murdered. She was murdered because Joe was obsessed with her and obsessed with killing her. Oh, no. So he's Passed kind of, the buck. Yeah. So when he he at least has come around to, like, the fact that the music didn't make it do, make him do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Joe Fiorella, on the other hand, he was quoted as saying, it really gets inside your head. It's almost embarrassing that I was so influenced by the music. It's starting to infu- influence the way I looked at things. Oh, fuck so off, So he Joe. really believes that it was the music. Yeah. He needs to go fuck Mus- off. Music can't make you do things. No. I, I can't. Did you know that Ozzy Osbourne holds the world record for being sued over his music making people do things? I believe, I believe that. <laughs> I don't know where I read yeah. that little fact. But and Marilyn you're... Manson's probably in there somewhere, too. Yeah, Mar- well, I don't know if he holds a record, but he's probably definitely been sued for stuff. They tried to blame Columbine on him, Yeah, remember? I remember that. And I think he actually, like, canceled... Um, concerts and stuff that were happening probably yeah because people were a big deal yeah um anyways the second lawsuit that the uh, palers had brought against slayer was also thrown out um and they have never been held accountable for this or any other murder it's not slayer's fault a lot of these bands have said like if we could just talk to the parents like they would know that like you know, like, I'm so sorry for their loss. I wish this didn't happen, but it certainly isn't our intention. Yeah. If we're doing this as a creative outlet for ourselves. It's yeah. it's art. It's not to be looked at as... We're not out here practicing what we're yeah. saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just like making... And I think the judge in one of the articles... Or sorry, from the, the Slayer case, I read in an article that he said, like... 
basically if we start like suing artists oh yeah over this kind of stuff then we're going to have to go through and take books off shelves like you've heard yeah. of this all the time it would become just like a a shit storm a shit storm of like what can we eliminate so yeah. that nobody you know I just feel like people, individuals need to be held accountable for their actions, 100%. not the literature or the music, that kind of stuff, because it's yeah. just not, it's an endless battle. Mm-hmm. So in June of 2021, so just last year. Oh, wow. That's like recent. Yeah. Royce Casey, who's now 44 years old and known for being a model prisoner, he came up for parole and he was initially granted parole suitability, but that dis- uh, decision was later reversed by the governor of San Luis, San Luis Obispo. I think I'm saying that right. San Luis Obispo. Hmm. Anyways. Joseph Fiorella will be up for parole in July of this year, followed by D- Jacob Delashman in December of 2024. So, wow. yeah, so we might hear about them. I bet you Travis is really happy that he shot that old lady and uh, wasn't around. I don't know. I, I, they never go into detail about what happened to Travis after all this, but I'm sure, yes, he was probably... Whew, dodge yeah. that bullet. <laughs> yeah. But he probably would have gladly participated too, because mm-hmm. he sounds like a douche canoe. Yeah. Anyways, as of today, all of the boys remain behind bars. I guess they're not boys. They're men. Grown-ass. Grown-ass men. Stupid men. And this is a weird piece of trivia. Do you remember the movie Jennifer's Body Mm. with Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried? Yes. That movie is actually based on this case. No way. I've never seen it, but apparently part of the plot is that they murder this virgin to, like, make their band better. Oh. Which is, like, the actual story of this they really believe that by murdering elise that their guitar skills would get better and they could write better songs and they'd get real famous wow yeah sucks to suck because they suck they suck (laughs) fully fully so i mean so sad for elise and i feel for her parents um yeah with the whole slayer thing i totally understand where they're coming from i just think that we have to make sure we're assigning accountability where it 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 deserves to be yeah yeah 100 percent so Anyways, that was just a nice short one for you guys today. Wow. Yeah. So. Well, it was interesting, though. That was uh, yeah, yeah. an interesting little pop culture sort of case. Yeah. So. I didn't know. I wasn't sure what was going when you were talking about the Satanism. I was, in my head, I was like, oh, the craft, lies a feather, stiff as a board. Like, that's all they were going to do. But. No. No. They, they didn't. They definitely. Didn't attempt that. They went full balls here. That was a lot. Satanic. Yeah. And again, this isn't what Satanism is. What these guys are doing, or what these guys did. That's not Satanism. So let's get it straight. Yeah. Right? They just fucking suck. Yeah. These boys do. Yeah. Well, I hope they rot in prison. Me too. We will see you next time. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Story Crime Pod. And still no emails, guys. Don't say it. (laughs) I want an email. I'm just going to send you a fucking email at this point. (laughs) I recently sent myself an email to make sure it worked. It does. Please send me an email. <laughs> and thank you all for listening because we've really hit a milestone. We got over 200 downloads Woo-hoo! over the last, yeah, like officially over that 200 mark. So thank you, everyone. We love you so much. We're on the up and up. On the up and up. <laughs> Anyways, we hope you tune in next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.